Hi, it's Janelle. This is Marissa. This is Shade, and you're listening to Fat Podcast. We're back. Hey, guys. It's Yay. a new season of Game of Thrones, and we're back. Our regularly <laughs> scheduled hate watching. <laughs> no. I'm eating a, an orange in honor of our friendly Dornish. You should be drinking wine in honor of our friendly Dornish. I don't think I have any. Wait, no, I do. Oh, I do. Oh, did I just, maybe I should not have suggested that. <laughs> Some Dornish red. Some, Some Dornish red. I do to have To help red. us get through this. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Hugs for Sansa Charity Group. When your whole family has been killed and you need some comfort. (laughs) Valerian Steel Recycling Company. Buy one, get one free. This episode was also brought to you by Hounds Rotisserie Chicken Shack. Finger looking good. (laughs) start off with Tywin. Do we have any ravens or are we ravens? Well, we got confirmation that um, Oberyn's apparently a person of color. Well, <laughs> Is that where we're going now? Is that the first thing we're going to talk about? No, we're gonna I talk don't know. About that raven. <laughs> that's, that's the raven that we got the other day. Let's hop into this because there was an interview that Pedro Pascal, who plays Oberyn Martell on the show, um, he did with, I want to say Hype Beast. It's not Hype Beast, is it? It was Daily Beast. Daily Beast. There we go. Hype Beast. He did, with, <laughs> he did. He did with Daily Beast. Um, a lot of the questions, like honestly, when I was reading the article, I couldn't tell what was worse. Like the questions that he was being asked or the responses. Um, there was just a lot of not kosher shit going down. But one thing that really like irked the hell out of me was when the interviewer was like, "Oh yeah, because you know Oberyn isn't white," and the Pedro was like, "Yeah, he's not white." And I'm just like, "Wait a minute, time out." For months now, fans have who you know have been advocating that the Martels are POC have been like on the receiving end of so much vitriol, not just from fellow fans within the fandom, but also from Germ and from HBO and from D and D, where we've been belittled for our thoughts. And now you have one of the the actor who's playing the part actually coming out and saying, "Oh yeah." he's a POC. Like to me, that was such a huge slap in the face. That interview. No. Let me be optim can I be optimistic about this? Mm-hmm. Yes. Go ahead. Yes, okay. So I'm gonna say at the very least, somebody agrees with us <laughs> that the Martells are people of color. And I know we've had a lot of conversations about Pedro Pascal and like it's it's kind of speaks to how race is really liminal in the United States, right? Like depending on where you are and where you go, for some people you can be seen as white passing or you are viewed or treated as a person of color. And that's definitely the case for people who, for some people who um, are Latino and that's their ethnicity. It's true for some people who are ethnically Jewish and um, some people who are black, who are black, some people who are Asian, um, pretty mm-hmm. much every racial group. Um, we've had a lot of debates about 
Pedro Pascal and how he's seen by people of color, how he's seen by Hollywood. We Now we're having this conversation about Oberyn, right? And how he's perceived by viewers. Mm-hmm. And from what we saw in this episode, it's clear to me that, that they want to read the Martells as people of color. Because we, ha- we wrote that whole roundtable essay on Winter is Coming as a podcast together. And our goal was to try and encourage HBO to diversify. And maybe, like, even though Georgia R. Martin doesn't view them as people of color, there's still a chance for the show. Perhaps. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I think they're being read as Latino-esque, <laughs> I guess. I think that's what they're going for. Maybe judging, they're going for Spain. Judging for the accents. But but look at how they're dressed. Oh my god. No. Yeah. No, no. no. I mean judging from the accents. <laughs> well we're gonna we're gonna talk more about it later, but like maybe they'll be open to casting other types of Latinos. Not just Oh man. I got a lot to say. <laughs> I know we probably should mention this later, but I'm just going to say real quick that I just feel like Game of Thrones as a show, I feel like what what Dan and Dave like fail to realize is that it's, it's one thing when you're reading about it, but a whole other thing when there's a visual medium attached to it. Like when you're seeing these moments acted out and you have, a, you know, camera angles and music to influence your feelings when you're when you're watching a scene play on screen. And I feel like they should use the show to course correct some of Jern's ignorance and instead it's like through through the lens of film it's like magnifying it times a thousand so do we want to just go into talking about Oberyn and his appearance yeah why not (laughs) since we're already kind of getting into it Tyrion first, like, the first thing he says is how many, like, not the first thing he says, but during this conversation, he's, like, freaking out because the Prince of Dorne is coming, and he's with Bronn and with Podrick, and Bronn says something like, how many Dornishmen does it take to, you know, fuck a goat, basically, Mm. Uh, which is, like, pretty... It's like, what was in Tyrion's mental thoughts in the chapter in the book where he's waiting to meet Oberyn? Right. Exactly. So they arrive, of course, and Prince Doran's not there. Um, we learned that they've sent uh, Oberyn in, in his stead. Um, and the whole time I was looking at them, I was thinking, if you're from Dorne, why are you white? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Chanel, you can't ask people why they're white. You can't ask them about goats. The costuming, Please. I was just like, um... This reminds me of when I'm watching, you know, like the Crusades or something like, you know, stuff about the Crusades and how like there were Arabs from Africa that were involved in the Crusades. And I was just like, they're wearing turbans and they're, I mean, I forgot what the the style of dress is called the drape the draping on of their clothing is very you know did you, did you guys find it strange that like they wear only like oranges and golds like did you like the entire even the bannermen the martel bannermen like or i the guess Dornish you know bannermen. they wanted to match their color palette 
<laughs> like, I just thought that was really strange. They were all dressed like a monolith. Like there's no, dis- other than the banners that they're holding, there really is no distinction between each house that was being represented. And also, I, didn't you guys find the meeting place kind of weird? Like, it looked, there was some low budget going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It was very, it was kind of like in the middle of the, like, forest like I don't know it's strange because I'm thinking if you're entering the city like shouldn't there be more of a clearer like path a clearer walkway like like I'm I keep I when I was watching that scene I was thinking of when we back in season one when um King Robert and Cersei and crew arrive at Winterfell and there's like an actual procession like you see people outside waiting for them you know, when they arrive. So I'm, I'm like trying to figure out why we didn't have something similar for the Dornish. Like if they were, you know, didn't he waiting. Show, did he show up with a lot of people though? Or was it just a small envoy? In the books? Yeah. I can't remember. No, he, did sh- he, show, he showed up with a lot of people. Oh, okay. Because I remember that was something that Tyrion was like stressing over. He was like, how are we going to house all these people? Like he basically arrived at King's Landing with a small army. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought that was strange for someone who's supposed to be as important. Even if they weren't expecting Prince Doran, I just thought that was a pretty cheap way to welcome. Like, Yeah, there's just some low budget stuff going on. Yeah. Um, but the costuming is just like none of these people are browner than, you know, tanned white people it's like and they're in these costumes okay sure whatever and I was like I'm trying not to be depressed about it (laughs) well there's there's Ilaria Sand played by Indira Varma that's true oh yes but I think Indira I mean falls into kind of that weird liminal space too because for sometimes she has been able to play like quote-unquote white characters like she's been able to play a Roman on Rome and Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rome. Mm, I, don't, I feel like that's not even a good example because Rome it, had its issues too. Yeah, Rome yeah. definitely had its issues because representation for, especially as Rome at that time, where it's supposed to be like a melting pot, like there are too many white people. Like Indira looks like an actual Roman. The, I don't even understand the rest of the cast to be more or less. It's just too many white people on that show to seriously call itself Rome. Like Spartacus would be a more accurate rep- accurate representation more or less give or take a few mm-hmm. here or there yeah but you know who did the casting for Rome, don't you <laughs> nina cole <laughs> but they're wondering where they can find um oberyn right oh mm-hmm. how did they pronounce his name on the show oberyn no oberyn right i think, I think it was oberyn. oberyn yeah okay because I, c- I, I was just like half paying attention but um they were worrying you know where they can find him and Tyrion's mentioned that at the end, he's like, oh, he's famous for screwing half of Westeros, which I thought was a little weird. But um, I think we'll talk about Look, that. Look, it's story. written by Dan and Dave. Any excuse <laughs> to put a brothel scene and boobs in. But <laughs> I mean, he could also be hungry. He could be eating. Right. He could be, yeah, no, he right. could be in the bathroom. He could be at the rest stop. But instead, he's in the <laughs> brothel with Alaria. Not just any brothel. Little fingers, the only brothel in Western. Alalaya's brothel. (laughs) Oh my gosh, can you imagine how classy that joint would have been? I know. If they were in Shataya and Alayalia's brothel, wasn't that? You think they would let Oberyn Martell stab someone in their brothel? No, they wouldn't, because they would have better soundproofing. Right? (laughs) 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 But I was thinking, well, at least they establish him as 
bi and fluid, even though he's a total lecherous bisexual. so heavy-handed. Because that's a stereotype you want to perpetuate, you know? Lecherous so heavy-handed. He's like, <laughs> I, I, to be honest, though, like, on one hand, so the scene where they're picking which which whore they're going to share yeah. with Alaria, there was a part of me that thought the scene was, like, kind of cute because it was, like, they were choosing together as a couple and he was trying to pick someone not just to satisfy himself but also to please her so on in in terms of their relationship as a couple i thought that was like pretty nice but then like outside of that i'm just like i don't understand why this is so heavy-handed like i don't understand why everything about him is just like mm, i'm so sultry <laughs> let's have sex cuz i'm a sultry <laughs> man like so did you guys catch the part where he was like, we like them pale in the capital? Or they like yeah. them pale in the capital? Wait, they wait, mentioned wait. it twice. I... He also called the Lannisters pink. Yeah. They, like I said, they really are trying to establish the Martells as brown, which, you know, yeah, I think. Yeah. They said they like them pale in the capital shows exactly. they don't work in the fields. And I was yeah. like, he wasn't talking about Dorne. He was talking about King's Landing as the capital, right? But I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, talking about King's Landing. Because I was like, he's, he can't be talking about Dorne because most people no, in Dorne... No, he's talking about the capital. Okay. So I was like, I don't know if the white people watching picked up on that, but that line is the basis for a lot of, like, colorism, um, which is, like, discrimination based on skin color typically within specific groups of people of color because otherwise it's called racism. Um, <laughs> but it also ties, it, it ties paleness into with wealth and class. Um, and a, a lot of it is like, oh, if you if you were dark, you worked out in the fields, you were poor, et cetera. And if you're light skinned, you know, you worked in the house or you were wealthy. Like for in during slavery, it was like, oh, house slave and field slave kind of mentality that's still present today or prevalent today. So I don't know if people picked up on that. <laughs> but that's like what I got from what he said. So they're obviously trying to, like, create this, like, separation, right? Yeah, but I think when I saw that scene, though, I was kind of put off by it only because he said, we like them, Pale. Like, Uh so I didn't, and considering the fact that he... I don't think they said we. Did he say we? I thought he said we. I thought he said we. It's hard to understand. They like them. Was it, I think it was we, and I was like, was he talking about himself or was he saying like we you know when you sometimes you say mm-hmm. we because you're pretending to be somebody else like oh yeah we like them white you know I don't know the the tone and the context didn't really I don't know like when I saw that I thought he was actually talking, talking about, about Dorn. yeah so uh-huh. that's why I got confused yeah but if, little, I, mean, I could be wrong it was a little confusing I was like is he talking about Dorne is he talking about the capital like King's Landing I thought he was talking why even bring that up? Like, why even, like, you know what I mean? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Especially considering the context of the scene. Like, they could have mm-hmm. talked about her breast size. Like, <laughs> we like them big and juicy. I think <laughs> their attempts to racialize the Martells, I think, really... Really poor It's attempts. like they, they got an arrow and they pointed it at Pedro and Indira, and, and they were like, look, we cast POC. In and this time they're not in the brothels. I mean, this time they're they're not slaves. I mean, this time they're they're customers. See, so it's okay. I 
You know what's weird is, okay, maybe I'm totally fucking off, but I never thought of Oberyn Martell as someone who necessarily regularly paid for sex. I Me mean, neither. it seems like all the women he fathered the Sand Snakes on, he just kind of seduced. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, like, you know, if you're that suave, do you need to partake in the human trafficking and sh- all the cra- and and would someone like Ilaria? Ilaria likes threesomes, but doesn't necessarily mean that she would want to patronize an abusive brothel like Littlefingers. Right. Yeah. But since they got rid of you know Shataya's, there was really- no. I mean, even just Oberyn not care. Like, okay, so the guy that who is, I guess, handling the transaction was Oliver, right? Mm-hmm. Who was. I guess Littlefinger's, like, lieutenant pimp or whatever. Right. And, like, he was like, you're going to sleep with me because I have money and you're going to do it. Right. Like, and he's like, oh, you, it's because I'm a prince, I say so. I was like, what a way to sell yourself, dude. Not that I'm so fantastic, true. but I'm what, a prince. What do you imagine Oberyn is, like, way more smooth than that? Like, right. I feel like in my imagination, Oberyn would be so slick that, like, Oliver would want to stay. And then he'd be like, all right, come on. Yeah. You can stay. You right. know, like... That'd be a lot more funny and interesting, mm-hmm. but the fact that okay, because I, I, it it's weird. Like I think someone like Tyrion, the narrative around buying women who are being abused and trafficked, you know, was around Tyrion's sense of rejection and wanting affection and his weird sexual not weird his traumatic sexual abuse experience as a young person, kind of you know led him to become a patron of the brothel, um, but for Oberyn. I don't, I don't, I don't see that as part of his backstory. And mm-hmm. yeah. call me out if like that's in the books and he no. like loves whorehouses. But <laughs> <laughs> like, we're gonna be the kind of guy who didn't need to buy it. Right. No, I got that sense too. I never, I never um, found him as like that kind of like sexually aggressive, just like lecherous. He comes off really kind of creepy. <laughs> When he talks about wanting to find a blonde woman for a threesome with Ilaria, but I don't think it was to buy one. I think it was to find one who'd be... Who would willingly, not just for money. Um, Well, like, maybe he'd be at a swingers club, not a brothel. I do wonder why it is that we're meeting the Martells, like, in a brothel and, like, not... And do you, did you notice that part where it was, like, anvil over the head, Ilaria d- denying the fact that she's a lady? It's just like, I'm, I'm a bastard. bastard. <laughs> yeah, it was too exposition fairy. I was like, okay, we get it. I'm not a lady. There's just so much, like, I don't Let know Let me that. spell it out for you. <laughs> I'm a no. bastard. B-A-S-T-A-R-D. Bastard. Bastard. She gets called a lady in the books. Right. Doesn't she talk like a gentle lady. I don't know. She doesn't mind it either. Well, I don't know. I mean, who does that? I don't know. I'm not a lady. She seemed a little contemptuous about it, but I think it's the way that um, Indira was playing it as opposed to... Yeah. I liked her... I think she was trying to make him uncomfortable. Right. So the way she played it made it a little less heavy-handed. I think a lesser actress probably would have really... Just fucked it up. Buried that dialogue, yeah. Uh, but Indira did a pretty good job of making it seem like she was being, you know, kind of salty about it. Um, so, yeah, but at this point, Oberyn, he's about to get some, but then he hears a bunch of Lannisters singing <laughs> The Rings of Casimir and goes to randomly F shit up because he hates all Lannisters, apparently. 
Um, but he's, but to show how badass he is before he does that, he has to run his hand over the candle. Over candle. <laughs> I started laughing. I was just like, what is going on? Um, this is he's like, like kind of, he's, he's like desensitizing himself before the violence, I think. Is that what it was? Is that what yeah, it's supposed to be? Yeah, I think so. Like, Not to show I how badass he is, he can run his hand over <laughs> fire i think it's showing it to the viewer yeah it's a little bit michael bay but i mean i yeah there was another you know, it's like cal drogo letting that guy stab him once before like killing him right um, okay yeah. um there was another um screwing the screwing a joke i uh, screwing a joke screwing a goat joke in there and his conversation here, I thought it was a little bit cheesy. I almost thought he was going to be like, say hello to my little friend. You know, like, <laughs> <"Stop."> <laughs> like, seriously. Uh, it was very, like, weirdly, you know, Al Pacino, like. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was so, it was kind of cheesy to me, to be honest. Not, it was not, like, slick and subtle and snake-like. It was Mm-mm. just like. Ta-da! It's me. Over <laughs> and I'm gonna stab you. Hey. Oh my god. And then wait. And then right after he jacks the guy's wrist up, he makes out with a lot. Like I was just like, yeah, I guess he just bl- like makes out with her. <laughs> I was like, I guess blood is a turn on for them both. Oh my god. And then Oren's just like, oh, we should bring more girls. And Tyrion's <laughs> just like, she was no. making out with him because like it was calming. <laughs> Or, like she was trying to calm down a little. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I got that sense also, but it's still so absurd given <laughs> the surrounding seat, like what just happened. And, like, it's like it's like Oberyn has like, I don't know, like he just can't focus on anything because first he's just like, hey, wifey, let's have a threesome, and then he's like, I'm a prince, I want this man too, and then he's like, oh my god, is that Lannister singing? And then he's like, I'm gonna run my hand to this candle, and then he's like, I'm gonna stab you, like it's like. <laughs> Relax, Oberyn. Chill out. Maybe he Chill. had some, some, uh, you know, King's Landing grade cocaine beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> no, They're trying to make him come off as like the ultimate bad boy hothead. Uh-huh. It's a little stereotypical. Especially since well, it's like there's... he can't. I mean, the one thing they did do that I felt was believable was like the fact that Alaria being there to like sort of like anger him because I do believe in the books that was like a thing in their mm-hmm. relationship like Alaria being there to be like honey relax you can't mm-hmm. just set the whole you can't just set shit on fire relax mm-hmm. you know but I don't think this was something that she had to do all the damn time like Oberyn had common sense like mm-hmm. like hearing Lannister singing he's not gonna go and like cut shit up especially if you're if you're one thing about over in the books that i did like is like you he made a lot of underhanded and backhanded comments yeah and, but that was enough to like stir up fear because now you're just like all right this dude is like off his shit like he's not doing anything outright but because he's making these you know underhanded threats you know he's a, a little less direct and to me that's more threatening whereas in the show he's kind of just like i'm it's like the little finger, like beard stroking type, <laughs> you know, direct, I'm going to let you know what I'm going to do before I do it type thing. And I think yeah. that, this, I think that takes, yeah. The scene after this, this whole thing was better for me, um, personally, when we actually oh, found out why he came. Oh yeah. But there's some stuff that they changed, unfortunately, which I think could have added more depth, but mm-hmm. That scene worked for me 
as as well as the others didn't work for me. You know what the problem is? I think um, Oberyn, prior to Oberyn's like appearance in the books, there was build up to the tension between the Martells and the and the Lannisters, and you know, and their distance from King's Landing. Like you understood before you met them mm-hmm. what a big deal it is that Oberyn even showed up in the first place. So I think you know, the fact that there was no, like, build up to that, it's hard. I would think it would be hard for viewers to see what a big deal it is um, Mm -hmm. that the Martells distanced themselves from the Iron Throne um, and the reason why they did that, you know? Like, there wasn't enough talk. I think they should have mentioned, I think conversations involving Ilya and the distance with, um, of the Dornish from, from the Iron Throne should have been brought up sooner yeah you know what i think is interesting is um Tyrion watching Ilaria and Oberyn just kind of openly making out mm-hmm. in front of him, like, yeah, I got, you know, my honey, and she's not a noble woman, and I can just make out with her in front of you, you can't do anything to me about it. And then Tyrion's mm-hmm. relationship with Shay, where, like, he cannot make out with Shay in front of anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has to hide it. I yeah. think it's kind of weird how they're making Shay a little bit like jealous irrational shrew shay i feel like this is the same conversation they've been having for three seasons now where she's just like are you gonna you know have sex with me or are you gonna like go off and run to your little and she she hovers between like being really caring of sansa and then being jealous of her and it just doesn't work for me and i think Mm -hmm. it's a waste of the actress's talent to make her just be like this over-the-top irrational so let me talk about Sybil Kalecki's performance as Shay and, like, how fans have reacted to it. At least on places like Reddit and on Westeros.org and stuff, people always talk shit about how she's, like, the worst actress on the show. But I honestly feel like they don't give her very much to work with. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And the other thing is, whenever people talk shit about, like, what a terrible actress she is, even though she's, like, an award-winning actress, she won... It wasn't a BAFTA, but it was something very similar in Europe. Um, they always like link to her porno, like as if being in a porn film made her like a less capable actress or like less of a human being. Oh, that's like, gross. Bashing the actress while linking to her porn. Like, wow. fuck you. <laughs> I think they don't give her very much, but what she's referring to in the argument is the fact that Varys tried to bribe her off. Right. And it's kind of tragic, like the the breakdown in communication between Tyrion and Shay. Like, they just don't really trust each other. And if she had just explained, oh, Varys came to me and offered me money, mm-hmm. rather than have, and if he had, like, taken time to ask her, like, calmly, like, hey, what do you mean by this? I'm really confused. I don't know. If the trust was there, the relationship would be stronger. Right. But now she's open to being bought by Cersei. So let's uh, move on to, I think, Tywin. Um, so we see Tywin at the beginning and he's melting down Ned Stark 
Rob Sirk's epic Valyrian steel sword ice into two Valyrian steel swords. Um, and so was he burning Rob's pelt too, or was it his, or, or was it Grey Wind's like carcass? I think it was Lady. Really? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, because, okay, wasn't the head still attached to the wolf when he threw it in the fire? Yeah. And we know that Grey Wind's head was removed. Right. Oh, right. So I think it might have been Lady. I know in, okay, I know in the books, it's not a spoiler, Ned kills Lady in season one slash book one, and then he, his goal was to have her pelt sent back to Winterfell so she could be, like, buried like under in the godswood or something but maybe he never got around to doing that and then when sansa was captured and ned was imprisoned maybe all of their stuff that was in the tower of the hand just became lannister property Hmm. so maybe that's lady although i thought lady was like a more light color than that wolf maybe it was gray wind maybe it was a random wolf Hmm. yeah it was weird. I, don't know. I was oh, like, man. um, maybe it was just symbolic. Because um, I mean, know. it would smell pretty bad too. Mm-hmm. Why, why burn it? I don't understand. <laughs> That's what my friends are saying. <laughs> you put in, a, make a carpet, stuff it. Yeah, it was really funny because they haven't read the books and they're like, yeah, why is he? That must stink so bad. <laughs> I was just like, give it to Joffrey and let him prance around with it for a while. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's options. Yeah, so, I mean, so I guess it was, like, a final symbolic destruction of House Stark. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, he gives one of the swords to Jamie, his favorite child. Um, and Jamie's checking out his magnific- magnificent new sword. Um, and Tywin says something like the original weapon was absurdly large. Like he was throwing shade or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Totally. Oh, it they're... never really directly said it was... Ice, did it? Mm-hmm. No, they didn't. Person own it doesn't mm-hmm. have any for anymore, which was kind of yeah. cool. Like it was gone to book readers, and then if you were attentive as a show watcher, you could figure it out. Yeah, yeah. It was um, subtle. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Didn't, didn't know the show could do subtle. I know, right? um, um. So in this scene, Tywin basically asserts that now that Jamie is has been handicapped with his chopped off hand, that he obviously will not be use of use on uh, as a part of the Kingsguard. So he wants Jamie to go back to Castle Rock and find a wife and settle down and and be Lord of Castle Rock. And Jamie was like, nah dog, I'm not down <laughs> with that life story. We are not doing that. Um, yeah. which is very interesting because you see that what Jamie is refusing is what Tyrion wants more than anything. And Jamie's just like, he absolutely wants nothing to do with it. And for Tywin, it's just like, as easily as he, you know, rejects the notion that Tyrion could possibly rule Castle Rock, he just cannot wrap his mind around why Jamie wouldn't want to assume, um, you know, why he wouldn't want to take his place as heir of uh, of Castle Rock. Yeah. It's a very interesting scene. And I like the Lannister scenes. We also honest. know, I guess, why he wants to stay. Right. Because of Cersei. So I guess we should talk about Cersei and the stump and the golden hand. Do you know something? She, I feel like she would not have made 
had a hand made for him. I don't know. She doesn't seem to like it very much. I mean, I think that was a, a decision that partially Michelle Clapton, who does the costumes, talked about when they were designing the hand for Jamie. Was like, if if Cersei were to design a gold hand for somebody, it would of course be like super over the top, fancy, and not very useful. So I can kind of understand the utility of having her make him a hand with Quyburn, since it reintroduces Quyburn to the story too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she was in the previous season. Yeah, and she has a conversation with him, and they're talking about some secretive thing um, that we don't know about yet because she won't tell Jamie. Um, she also calls Renly a pillow biter. So there's a little bit of no Loras. Loras, sorry, not Renly. Well, what is? Well, wait, what does that mean exactly? He takes it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's a bottom, uh, right? Is that what she's the bot? Yeah, he's a bottom. That's you what she's know calling. that. Well, I mean, that's what she's basically saying. Yeah, she's she's saying that. It's just I don't know how many cute ways can this show like come up with to not say homo, right? Yeah, she's really blaming Jamie here. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes. She rejects him because he left her. I don't know how. It's like kind of like jealous, clingy. That's not his fault that he was captured. He's not <laughs> <No>. right. <laughs> well, according to it's Cersei. really not. And and she slept with Lancel a whole bunch too while he was gone. Yeah. Lest we forget. But she like, was not faithful. But his expression. I, I mean, on one hand, I felt so bad for him. On the other hand, I was like dying laughing because Cersei was being so absurd, and his facial expression was just like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> He's like, "What did you expect me to do?" And I, like, I, I, I really felt it's for like Jamie I tried in that scene. Really hard. He's just like, "What? Like, why?" <laughs> it's like his facial expression is just red. Like, why are you even like speaking right now? Like, I don't understand why you're saying this to me. I think with Jamie's, you can tell in that moment he's just like things really aren't going to go back to the way they were. Like, even though I'm back now and, you know, Robert's dead and, you know, the family's together, we are never going to be as we, we are, as we were. are like, never, ever, ever oh, God, no. together. I guess Sorry. I set myself up for that. <laughs> yeah. I set myself up. <laughs> Jamie's getting kind of beat down a lot <laughs> lately. Like, he's getting it from Tywin. He's getting it from Cersei, and he's getting it from Joffrey. Oh, my God. Joffrey. And don't forget like... Brienne, too. Mm-hmm. But in that scene with Joffrey, um, Joffrey's like, you know, he's flipping through the Great Kingsguard book, and then he's naming all the Great Kingsguard, like Arthur Dane, and there was like a Duncan Egg mention, too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then he flips to Jamie's page, and Jamie has like no great deeds. And he's like, you're washed up. Um, you have one hand. 40-year-old. 40 40 years one. old. Like, damn. <laughs> I was like, dang. You got... I was like, he's going to need some ice for that burn. Get it? <laughs> so... I was like, jeez, that is so mean. <laughs> I mean, poor Jamie. Poor, poor Jamie. Should Ooh, I be feeling this bad for Jamie? I don't know. I think they're setting it up so that we do pity him, but I mean, it's whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then who else? Do we want to talk about Sansa? 
maybe? Wait, we forgot Jamie and Brienne. Oh, okay. Oh, the iconic scene. Yeah, so... <laughs> I want you because you look like you look like family. <laughs> so Aww. Jamie, yeah, Brienne has a combo with Jamie, and Brienne reminds him of his vow to Catelyn, um, and he has to repeat because we didn't, we don't know that she's dead, and he can't really fulfill that to her. Apparently, that's what he thinks. Um, and then Jamie flirts with Brienne by asking her if she's sure they're not related. <laughs> like, are you sure you're if not? If you say like... yes, Brienne, then maybe. <laughs> just, just maybe this might. He likes girls who are related to him. <laughs> He's like, are you sure you're not a Lannister? Because girl, you fine. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I like about Brienne's like scenes is how she's not being outright rejected like people are listening to her like um when when she meets with um marjorie and elena they're they are respectful to her like jamie's respectful to her i dread her I, if brienne has a scene with cersei i know shit's gonna hit the fan but for now i like the fact that she's being presented as a character the other characters respect and listen right. to even even when she doesn't expect it i mean and the fans also respect her because when people were like asking for her i was sitting around with a bunch of you know non-book readers and i mean i think brienne is easy to like right um they're not really playing her show character like her book character very much so it's it's easier to like i mean she's a female with a sword so like yeah. no offense to the show but even though I personally feel like Brienne is like Sansa with a sword, but they're not playing her in the show like Sansa with a sword. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, but I feel like she's still close. There was a little to her book self. And there was a little bit of a fake out there. A fake out with Elena going going my lo- my word right when mm-hmm. when Brienne shows up. Oh, you're like yeah. oh, OMG, and as the- the viewer, you're not sure if they're gonna like talk shit about her or put right. her down, or if they're gonna be welcoming. So that it's a little like cheap writing wise to do yeah. that, but I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know yes. I think sometimes when they have scenes where characters interact that didn't interact in the books, it can be very hit or miss. But mm-hmm. yeah. this didn't seem to detract from the story. It added a little bit to Marjorie's characterization, and it mm-hmm. added a little bit to Brienne's as well. Yes, so, I concur. Um, she tells Marjorie that she saw Sanus's shadow kill Renly, right? Mm-hmm. And that she's gonna get, she's gonna avenge his death somehow. Um, yeah. But isn't isn't she being considered a threat? Like, isn't she being? Well, well like, yeah, she was a prime suspect along with Catelyn. That's why they ran away in season two. Right. So right. isn't she still a prime suspect at this point? Well, but no, because no, under the Joffrey regime, everyone's glad Renly's gone. Yeah, I was going to say, she's not around people who actually care. Mm. <laughs> right. Like, there's no one that, I mean, if there was any type of emphasis on the Rainbow Knights, maybe I would be concerned for her. But since there hasn't been, like... There's no one to be worried about. And Loris isn't around mm-hmm. magically. That's really strange, actually. Loris isn't even around to see Brienne. Yeah, Loris might be angry with her. Yes. Right. Yeah. Huh. Um, um, so we wanted to talk you, about. Two, you know what's like, interesting about Jamie and Brienne? Right. Sorry, you know what's interesting about Jamie and Brienne? They're both alleged king slayers. Yes. Um, that hasn't come yeah. up on the show as much, but no. just food for thought that 
in a way, she experienced a very mild version of what he experienced around Ares. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to just talk about Elena and Marjorie in this scene, too. Like, specifically them getting ready for the wedding. And I absolutely love the crack about <laughs> when they were like, oh, if you let Joffrey choose what necklace I'm going to wear, I'm going to end up with, like, a row of dead sparrow heads. <laughs> around my neck yeah I thought that was really funny I don't know I liked that Mm -hmm. and I liked the way she uh played that little line um Elena was kind of a little weird yeah don't throw things into the water why (laughs) I was just like okay donate it to one of the lesser like handmaidens or give it to a person in the street it was very titanic wasn't it (laughs) <laughs> why because it was an old white lady throwing jewelry in the water <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like expensive what are you jewelry. trying to say <laughs> <laughs> this old white lady throwing expensive jewelry in the water what is wrong with her I but know. yeah didn't she promise them the second best necklace so she's just gonna throw out the rest of them like they paid money for that man i mean Come it's on. possible that she could tell that the necklace was like made of tin or maybe it was made of cubic sarconia <laughs> yeah, she's like, this is crap. <laughs> Throw it in the river. But you can still sell crap. You That's... can still like do something with crap. That's oh true. God. You can do a lot with crap. let's stay in king's landing and and talk about sansa so where we when we meet sansa she's still obviously much definitely uh grieving over her loss of her mother and her brother and we learn from our first scene that she's hasn't been eating and then Tyrion, you know pop pops up out of nowhere he's like baby The white knight, babe, you gotta eat, babe, you gotta eat. And she's like, nah, dog, I'm not hungry. <laughs> My mom is dead. Um, I know she tried to get you arrested. What? Oh, that's really awesome. But my, this is about me now. Let's not make it about you. Mm-hmm. I, I like, yeah, I, I like jokes like that. I liked yeah. when he, um, the moment where he said that he admired her, though, even like she was a strong woman and fierce, except the show didn't show that. But never mind, let's just retcon <laughs> what we did to Catelyn and let's just pretend we showed her being strong and fierce. Um, she was strong and fierce. She like fought off that assassin. I know. She's not perceived as strong and fierce by the fandom, and in some ways, the show dulled her edges down a bit. But in some ways, <laughs> that is an okay. In a lot of fucked up ways. Riz is being really uh, I'm being really apologetic and nice tonight. I don't know why. <laughs> so, so for for real though, um, you know what? When he said that she was a when he said the word strong, I was like, oh, my God, he's going to say strong female character. <laughs> it's like, I admired your mother. She was a strong, strong female, female character. character. I was like, Dan and Dave, saying it does not make it so. Right. You show, have to show not it. tell. You have to be a writer. You have to write. You have to show us. Oh, my God. Don't give us crap and then tell us it was fancy. Yeah. And Sansa... Um... At this point, says she's like gonna go to the poor excuse for a godswood, um, <laughs> and 
Taryn's like, oh yeah, it's good to pray. And Sansa says she doesn't pray anymore. She's gonna pray because it's uh, she just yeah. goes there because um, people won't talk to her when she's yeah. there. Um, and then when she's leaving, she's being chased. That was some film school horror, like horror film realness. Like violins and sharks. I was like, the worst. I'm like, what is this? Who directed this? DB? Of course he directed it. This what the hell is this hot mess? Some of the direction was really just bad. Like, what are you doing? Who told you this was okay? It's not okay. That scene particularly, I was just like, this is not okay. I'm in the King's Landing witch project. (laughs) <laughs> it's like it was so awkward um but yeah then we we see that it's dantos we get reintroduced to sir dantos from season two episode one right or yeah. season three All episode yep yeah. and now he's back again this is just this just goes to show he's like surprise bitch i thought you saw you saw the last of me but yeah <laughs> This just goes to show that that the show should really invest in Sansa's um, storyline and stop shafting her in favor of Tyrion because it just doesn't make any damn sense to have Sir Dantos just pop out of fucking nowhere. Like, where was he this entire time? Um, he was, you know, getting drunk. <laughs> they, sh- they shot scenes with him. They did with after for season three and t- or maybe season two, and then they didn't. They ended up on the cutting room floor, mm-hmm. and. Initially, I thought it was because they were going to use Roz instead. I was going to say, why is anyone like, questioning where Roz is at? <laughs> I know it's because she's a refrigerator. But I don't know. Like, why isn't Shay just like, I haven't seen Roz? Tyrion so- really cared about her. But, but, and he, he was really angry when Cersei tortured her. When Joffrey killed her, it was like he didn't even notice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Dantos in the scene gives her a necklace and tells tells her about like his family and his he's mother's like, necklace and how right. he wants somebody to have it because there's nothing else that's great about him. He's like a disgraced knight and he's a fool and he's drunk yeah. all the time. Because why wouldn't you be if you had to watch the show? <laughs> so, we we're definitely gonna have to talk about that in this section like how ridiculous anyway anyway um i liked the scene for how it showed sansa like gradually learning diplomacy like at first she was like basically speaking her mind and what she felt but near the end she was just saying what would make him feel good she like leveled up a few points in diplomacy so egret right i like I feel like Mance is being phased out or something. <laughs> like, where is, where is Mance? Where is he at this point? It's like a waste of casting. I That's don't even remember what. Happened. I thought he was kind of miscast based on his he description. Yeah, I do too. Um, but you know, well, he's not there because they're still south of the wall, right? And Mance is north of the wall. So Ygritte's talking to Tormund. Giant's Bane. Tormund's like, if that boy's still walking, it's because you let him go. And I was like, because she remembered how good he was at giving head. I was like, wow, wow. And so she let him go, because she has to keep that around. Come on. <laughs> at this point, I mean, there's like a... Okay, that, that character is new, right? Isn't that... What's his name of the Then tribe? Steer. Steer. Sir. What's with the casual cannibalism? 
I was like, and the Yuzan Vong scars. It was so weird, you know. It made me think of like, um, I don't know, Battlestar Galactica or something, or like something about the way they looked that made me think of like sci-fi. Like I felt like I got transported into like another show for the moment yeah. when the fens arrived. I was like, all right, okay. Hi. I thought I was watching Pirates of the Caribbean or something. <laughs> so we go to Sam. Sam goes to John and they're having a chat. And John is reminiscing about Rob and writing in his live journal. Hey, how come he's not thinking of his other two brothers who are also dead or missing? I mean, I guess if like he said like, God, all my brothers are dead, Sam. It's so sad. Sam would be like, actually, I met two of your brothers when we were in that hidey hole. <laughs> and uh, I just forgot to tell you that I helped them go north of the wall where all the all the wildlands were. I mean, how did you guys feel about this part? Which part exactly? Like the Rob sat or John making Rob's death about him part? Yes. <laughs> He's sort of reminiscing. That smug asshole is better than me at everything. <laughs> I'm kind of sad he's dead, though. <laughs> It was, it was, I mean, I guess it was touching. Okay, so after this, we go to the trial, right? He's having a trial. Right, because he betrayed, he broke his oath and he betrayed the brothers. Mm-hmm. And he killed... Um, Corrin Halfhand. Right. And um, what's his face? Jano Slint. Jano Slint is like, we need to hang him <laughs> or chop off his head or something. Um but Janet, but Master Eamon ain't no Ned Stark. So he's like, um, if we had to do that to every, you know, guy who broke the oath about not taking any woman, uh, we'd have no brothers of the Night's Watch. Maybe some gay brothers. Uh, did, did John's accent change? Because I saw somebody mention that. Yeah, yeah. Someone mentioned that, that John's accent changed. And I'm just like, I don't even. I'm like, it what is your... Less he got less northern or something. Does he mutter less or something? Oh, no. <laughs> he spoke more clearly. Yeah, he spoke more clearly. <laughs> no, but the person who said it is from the UK, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll guess I'll defer to you because I didn't really notice that much. Well, I like that just that this call that they put Janice Slint there because the last time we saw him was like several seasons ago when Tyrion tricked him into going to the wall. Oh right. And so we haven't seen him since. And so it's interesting to show him at the wall now. Yeah. And he's still, and he, and one of the reasons he was sent to the wall was because he betrayed Ned. Mm -hmm. And when Tyrion was hand in season two, Tyrion felt like he was too shady to stay. So maybe one of the reasons he wanted John killed was because he was afraid John would try and get revenge. Um, she's playing with her baby dragons. I mean, her teenagers who have still yet to be named. Like, I'd be pissed too if I was like a teenage dragon without a name. It's so impersonal. I'd be even more pissed if my mom named me Drogon. <laughs> like, that'd be, be like if somebody named you like Human. <laughs> like, if you had like a child and you're like, I'm naming you Human. <laughs> Wait, I still can't figure out why they refuse to name them though. It's so important. Maybe they named them off screen. 
I just, but she won't ever say their names. Maybe somebody has to ask her. Maybe nobody's asked her. And everyone just says the <laughs> like, dress. Hey, what's the name of the one? Can you tell me the name I've of the one? I always wanted to know. But even Jora just says the dragons are getting out of control. I was like, they don't even have the same temperament. Like, Drogon's the one who's yeah, super OT. Only one of them is being an asshole. Right. The other two, two okay. the other two was just, were just hungry. Drogon's the one yeah. snapping at his mom. Whatever. Um, <laughs> she. <laughs> generalized about dragons jora seriously <laughs> so he's like oh they're getting out of control you can't control them blah, blah blah we see that yes uh very obvious um so we say blah, blah. she asked for a new dario she's like where is dario oh somebody made a new joke dario is so hot new somebody dario is so hot <laughs> somebody made a joke that he was <laughs> that jora was like he's off screen He's like being recast, Your Grace. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So they're having some kind of like penis measuring contest. Him, Nudario, and Grey Worm. Yeah. What is this irony? (laughs) Danny (laughs) Danny does her walk, her fashion show walk down her. People are so low hanging fruit, the writer. Like or people in Westeros, they always make cheap shot jokes. Mm-hmm. Everything's like a cheap shot joke. Yeah. Eh. Sorry. So, continue. I love how. Okay, so they made to they made sure to show some bowing brown people, so we don't forget that Danny's the white lady Jesus. Misa, 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 Georgia, thanks. Misa, look, no hands. Misa, look, no hands. Misa, love you. <laughs> oh my god so yeah so she she finds them and they're they're doing this stupid contest um because one of they want to ride with her up front most people just yell shotgun right you know i don't know what this thing oh we've been we've been at this for hours like really they haven't been watching like her two best guards haven't been watching her and keeping her safe they've been yeah and why would he put them with the livestock they're not doing anything useful back there either Uh uh-huh that's like demoralizing leadership yeah. Personally, yeah. the most important thing that went down in this scene is how ridiculously good looking <laughs> New Dario and Grey Worm are. Oh my Sunday, God. Sunday's pretty too. Yes. Everybody Danny is surrounded by is pretty good looking. Yeah, pretty this is true. However, oh, I just. because yeah, old Dario. <laughs> Skeletor is gone. You guys are so mean. <laughs> He's a faceless man. <laughs> That's the new rumor. That's the no- new rumor. Nobody noticed. He's That's that where, good. That's Whatever. where he went. All I know is that new Dario is definitely an upgrade, and I like the the eyeballing that was going on between Grey Worm and Missante. Although you know how typical is it that that um the two black characters hook up? That is it's like Ricardo and Yuri all over again. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Maybe they'll kill them too. I will be so mad. Don't say that. <sighs> um, <laughs> so, wait, Dario flirts with Danny for a bit um, in the next scene because he's so smooth. He's like, oh, I have to discuss, so I have to discuss a matter of strategy. <laughs> Let me tell you about these plants. <laughs> That's probably how Neville Longbottom would flirt. Let me tell you about some plants. Yeah, he was like all into herbology. That's true. That's like the Neville Longbottom school of flirting. Maybe Dario is into herbology. Maybe he's Neville Longbottom. 
I like how he flipped it and he was just like, you need to know this because this is poison. This makes tea. (laughs) What did the blue one do? What did the blue one do? The blue one is Liana Stark. (laughs) (laughs) A blue rose. It looks really fake though. It looks so fake. It looks so fake. It, possibly because you wouldn't you wouldn't even think that you run to blue roses and where they were in, in the, the middle desert? of like, yeah <laughs> like why on the march to marine though they they're marching to marine and they come up on a child nailed to a cross was it a cross it was a sign and she was pointing mm-hmm. so each was marking a mile i think each dead child so yeah there were there were a couple one. hundred too like mm-hmm. 200 and something right and she says that she's going to look at all of their faces and you're, she's going to bury each and every one of them without their collars because she's white lady Jesus. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> church. Well, you know, they had to put something really inhumane like that in, even though it makes no sense to just like kill young slaves that could potentially give you years of income, right? Just to make her look like a justified savior like yeah. make the slavers look ridiculously and practically inhumane i think the most important thing in this scene is like i could see why danny would want new dario's d <laughs> i was like hey boy hey oh yeah new dario mm-hmm. I mean, you know you know the children nail to the cross is nothing <laughs> oh my god this is terrible i'm sorry you're so cold-hearted you think that was like a child actor that they tied up and they were like just kind of point (laughs) hold their still in point or was it a mannequin i think it was an action i don't know she looked pretty real i don't think they have the money for mannequins yeah i'm like whose parent (laughs) hey you want to be on game of thrones your kid can be on game of thrones sure what am i signing up for well (laughs) So let's talk about Arya and the Hound. So Arya is traveling with the Hound. And are they in the Stormlands still? I don't know if it counts as the Stormlands. I feel like it's the Riverlands. The Riverlands. It's where uh, the mountain has been wreaking havoc. It's like where the, the mm-hmm. seat of the house totally. Probably where all the battles were between Rob and the Lannisters. And it's just a hot mess. Now the war is over. People are bored. Right. Mm-hmm. By people, I mean asshole Lannister soldiers. Right. And so we come upon um, Arya. I think she sees Polliver. Yeah, Polliver. She comes upon this dude that basically killed her BFF, Lomi, or one of her friends, Lomi. And she has this conversation with the hound. She's like, he's like, what the hell is a Lomi? <laughs> she's like explaining to him what happens. And then he looks down and she's gone because she wants to kill Polliver. How- there just happens to be two holes in the bushes. <laughs> one that's like higher up than one's up lower. It's very kind of comedic. Yeah, Scooby and Scrappy Doo. Scooby and Scrappy Doo. So we get this chicken scene. <laughs> they go in. They go in and everyone's like praising the hound because they're like, oh, we know who you are. Or whatever. And the hound is kind of no friend of the king and he's no friend of the crown. And quickly, the, the men realize that. <clears throat> but he's still asking for chicken. And he's like, I'm not going to pay for it. You're going to give it to me for free. And then all hell breaks loose, kind of. And the hound kills a bunch of people. And then Arya gets her first, like, she knocks somebody over the head. And then she goes to Polliver. And she recites what Polliver 
said to Lomi as he killed him, right? The conversation that they had where Lomi's like, oh, you have to carry me because I can't walk. And he like takes, uh, I think he, did he kill Lomi with needle? Yes, he did. He did. He 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 killed Lomi with needle. He definitely did. Right. So she Mm -hmm. basically takes needle back from him while like reciting this. And she kind of has this dead eyed look. And we're like, dang, art is messed up. But she kills him, basically, and that's that. When you see the swords getting destroyed in the beginning of the episode, like, that means that Ned Stark's sword and the wolf, they're never coming back once they're destroyed. But I guess, yeah, Arya gets her sword back. Mm -hmm. So at least one Stark sword is returned. Right. And it's something that kind of um, tethers her to, to her family. Because she said something like, oh, my brother my brother made that for me, you know? It's like a reminder of them, too. So I thought that was a nice ending. And then we saw the preview for next episode, which we will play at the end. So what did you guys think about the episode? What what would you give it? Oh. I, I um, thought I, I was like maybe six fat pink casts. <laughs> fat pink masks. Six pink, six pink masks really? out of ten. Yeah. Maybe five or six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking five, six. They use the word cunt, like, like too much. It's like adding too much salt. How many times did they say it? They used it twice that episode. Mm. But to give you an idea, like, Game of Thrones used the word once for the entire book, the first book of Game of Thrones. Oh, wow. (laughs) I I actually was going to give the episode seven masks. I do feel like, and this is something that um, me and the Shrek of Winterfell were talking about, um, where it's like the episode was so simple, they really couldn't fuck up too badly. <laughs> even even with, you know, calling out certain issues that they have, which is the same issues with race, representation, and um, gender, that now with, and sexuality. Like sexuality yeah, mm-hmm. and sexuality that Game of Thrones has. In terms of, like, you know, that side, in terms of, like, pacing, um... I think it was a solid return. Like, it could have yeah. been worse. I don't know if maybe I'm just giving it a pass just because I've seen them do worse. <laughs> and this is probably yeah. Better, it's probably it's to be they've established they've established like a baseline mm-hmm. of like ugh. So like when they don't make you go ugh the entire episode, you're like oh, okay mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's probably the best premiere since the first season, right? I don't even remember the other premiere. I don't know if I liked the pilot, but yeah, this was a really memorable season premiere. Mm-hmm. All yeah. things considered, I think, because I'm trying to think of other, I don't even know if I remember the names of season two and season three's premieres. Yeah. I think season two had the name day, but, but like this, I'll remember, first episode of season four, Two Swords. Mm-hmm. And they, I think they said in an interview, too, most of the time when they start the season, they start with, like, some sort of action scene. And this was, like, a deliberate decision to do something more symbolic. And mm-hmm. it actually worked. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're learning. A more mature choice. Maybe they're friends. learning. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is the spoiler section. 
if you are a sweet summer child and you have not read the books, this is the part where you leave us. Goodbye. Yes. <laughs> now go, this is the grown folks hour. <laughs> go to the Frost Fangs with you. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> Jamie and Cersei, I wanted to talk about, didn't she hate the golden hand? Yeah, she knew But I guess you're trying to get him a hand, right? To right. like replace it. Mm-hmm. Like she probably hated the stump more. I was just wondering if she would have made it for Jamie. Um, I think we uh, we also mentioned already that Jamie wants to stay because of Cersei. I don't think there's anything super different about their interaction. Maybe they're still kind of um lessening Cersei's Oh yeah, it's totally different. Is it? I think it's Totally different. First of all, in the books, he comes back after Joffrey's dead, and the reason she's like pushing him away oh, is because right. she's mad at him over Joffrey's death and coming right. back too late. Right, right, right. I completely forgot about this. And then they on the show when she says it's too late, you're like, too late for what? Like mm-hmm. everything's okay. Like we won. Why yeah. are you mad? Oh yes, that does mess up things. And I then just... she does want to sleep with him. They have mm-hmm. that like hot period sex scene. So yeah, now. For the purple wedding, she's going to be really blaming Jamie since he's head of security. Wait, so where are we here? Are we in King's Landing right now? Mm-hmm. Can we talk about Sansa's necklace and how the hell is Elena going to get that right. off her neck to is poison that pre- Is that a precursor to him giving her a hairnet? Because I don't understand why they would change it to a necklace. Is a necklace? nobody on the show wears hairnets. Oh. Is that why? Yeah, yeah. But then again, no, but in the wedding, though, they could easily put a hairnet on her, like some kind of like clipping or some kind of like, you know, like hair pin, something where a hair pin would have worked. A hair pin. Yara. Yeah. Yeah. Because if she's wearing a necklace, it's super obvious. (laughs) Yeah. Especially considering the shape of the jewels, like how they drop, how they like, they look like droplets and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, It's going to be a lot more obvious when she tugs the thing off of her. And it, not even just that, but like if you see some, you you're gonna clearly see a piece of a jewel missing from a necklace than you would from a hairnet. Just and if saying. She has, and if it's poison, and it, she has it against her skin. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and it's pretty pretty bad poison. It's pretty, you know, it's yeah, pretty. Yeah, what if she like works up a sweat? Would she just dissolve? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my oh my god, how are they gonna solve for this? To me, that is very clearly the poison. I think they were trying to hint at it, too, you know, with Elena talking about necklaces and how important necklaces are. And then then that's what uh, Sansa gets as did a it? gift from Sedantos. Did Brienne and Marjorie ever interact? I can't remember. No. So that was new? No, that was new. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Brienne doesn't even go back to King's Landing, does she? Or she does, but it's, like, very brief. Very brief. I can't remember. She doesn't. She's not there enough, um, long enough to change into that spiffy outfit she had on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought the scene with Grey Worm was weird because he would never. Yeah. Right. Actually, do I, that. I, I wonder if it's just like a way to like humanize, humanize him. Yeah, maybe. Because they aren't really. They're kind of stoic, unfeeling yeah. robots in the books. And I guess right. the audience wouldn't connect to that as much, maybe. I don't know. But then yeah. again, the audience connects to characters like that in Star Trek and other shows. Yeah, but they talk. Like, Spock speaks. Not <laughs> he Spock, has Spock, but Data. You know. I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. I'm thinking of... Okay. Oh, we want 
we also wanted to talk about the Fen tribe. Right. Um, so the Fen in the books are, like, supposed to be the wildlings who are most like the people in Westeros. They have, like, a, a hierarchy that's very similar to, like, there's inheritance. Mm-hmm. And so that's why in, like, A Dance with Dragons, one of the northern lords' daughters is married to the Then, um, the son of the, the, the Then. Um, so um, here they've become kind of more cartoony, like, oh, yeah, we eat people, hey, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, like, I, I don't know. It, it kind of flattens them. Like, I thought the only cannibals were from Skagos, and that's why Skagos is so scary. If, like, everybody's just eating people, then hmm. nobody's special. <laughs> special cannibal. <laughs> I just thought it was really weird because while I was watching that scene, I was like, my mind was like scrambling to remember what wildlings to attribute that particular look to. Um, Tormund was like, I hate the Fens. I'm like, the what? <laughs> what are those? Those aren't Fens. Right? Just very like, weird looking. I really, really, really felt like I was being transported to another show when they walked up looking all like matrixy. Matrixy. That's a it just yeah. looked very sci-fi, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Didn't they just look super sci-fi? Because the the then in the books are like really advanced wildlings. They're like the only ones that do blacksmithing mm-hmm. really well. And they work with bronze and like they're from the first men and stuff. And here they're just kind of reduced to these like random scarred up people eaters right <laughs> people eaters. Do, do you think they're just written like that so you can sympathize with Jon Snow for like wanting to keep the wildlings out I don't think they're thinking that far to be honest because they haven't spent much time on wildling culture so like we don't even like know what is so bad about what's them what's normal like, Mm-hmm. Right. Or, quote unquote not normal what's the norms and how it contrasts with Westeros right well, we're supposed to be like, at this point, we're like, oh, why won't they let them south of the wall? There's like zombies. These people on the Night's Watch are cold-hearted. But if you're if they're cannibals, then we understand why they won't let them south of the wall. Like, the thing is, I don't even think they've had that. Have we had that conversation? You know what I mean? Like where John is like with the Night Watch, with the Night's Watch, at least. Like why why aren't they allowed to cross? You know. Like, I don't know. I feel like the show hasn't really left much room. Like, they, they haven't spent much time with the wildlings. That I, don't, I can't see the average viewer sincerely caring about what happens to the wildlings and their cause outside of Egret because of sexy times with Jon Snow. Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> and I've read the books. <laughs> and I don't even think people know. Who was I talking to? Like, like the co-workers, like some of my co-workers, like, they just don't, that, especially the ones who haven't read the books, they have no idea, like, what's going on with the wildlings. They just kind of, like, it's like, oh, okay, there's Egret, and then that's it. Like, they don't really understand the cause and why it's such a big deal that, you know, they need to cross the wall. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It's one of those weird decisions that Game of Thrones made that I just don't understand, because... Yeah, that's just not smart. So I guess the last point I think spoilerific would be Arya's scene and the Mercy chapter where the same totally. thing. Totally. 
Because that's not how he dies in the books, is it? No, in the books, she she goes like she tortures him the way he tortured the people in Heron Hall. She's like, "Is there gold in the village?" Blah blah blah, right? <gasps> but on the sh- on this, she's torturing him like she's, yeah, she's she's killing him. She's reenacting the death the same way that she she has them reenacting the death in um the Mercy chapter. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they've read it. They must have read it. Maybe. Right? Yeah. Dan and Dave, the Mercy chapter. Because, I mean, they or, definitely have Or access. George said, like, Arya's plot is going to be reenactment killings. <laughs> <laughs> As if we needed more fucked up fuckery coming from her storyline. That's just sad. I grieve for Arya. Like, yeah. when she's sitting there watching him bleed out, I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Poor baby. Then they can't do the mercy scene because that was the same death that she avenged, right? Was the will we even get? To they that? were both the Lamy. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? We didn't really talk about this, but like we were complaining about germs sexualizing Arya in book six. They were fucking sexualizing Arya all of this episode. Oh yes, right. Even and that the she had to sit there and listen to them talk about her, you know, in like a horrible, creepy pet away and mm-hmm. yeah and then while this is going on in the background there's a girl being sexually assaulted did you guys yeah yeah, yeah. the entire conversation i'm just and like doing anything to help her you know no they're just sitting there watching this happen and it's the not even like doesn't even look concerned there's no glance like the hound hates bullies there's no like shot of him looking like oh there's like no empathy. There's no scene where the hound looks like pain to see it happening, even though the hound hates bullies. Mm. Yeah. You know, things like that. I just I just thought that was just so like of course we graduated from naked woman to sexual assaulted woman mm-hmm. in the background. Thanks for that, by the way. Like I don't I just, sometimes I just I don't understand because in the back of my mind I'm just like, well, was that really necessary? Like was there no other way to show how vile these men are? And then even with that in the background, like you can see this girl, like they were groping her and she's like pushing their hands away and like clearly distressed. And that, that is what they use as a setting, as a backdrop to that scene. Like I just don't. (sighs) I can totally understand why some people aren't comfortable watching the show, especially if they've personally experienced you know, surviving something like that. I can see mm-hmm. how that would be a really discomforting experience for somebody with personal experience with that kind of abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I, 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 like I've, I've seen people go, like, oh, if you're a fan of the books, why don't you watch the show? And it's like, I don't think anyone should have to justify why they don't watch the show. It's just right. it's very different. Right. Yeah. Okay, so this is from Reddit, but I thought it was interesting. Dario gives Danny three flowers. Um, one is the dusk rose, which is like the blue rose. And like, we were like, hey, Yana Stark symbolizing. But the other one he gave her was like the, the golden, like kind of small flowers. Right. For what it was called. Um, and then also the harpy rose. And so... People were like, it's symbolism. The blue flower is Jon Snow. The gold flower is Tyrion. And then the red flower is Danny Targaryen. What? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was the theory. It was the symbolism. Harpy's gold. 
desk rows and or maybe it was just a really random thing that they wanted to give him to do <laughs> lace lace <laughs> i don't know i found some fake flowers for you danny yeah and then the other thing that people were talking about is maybe the crucified children are supposed to foreshadow the uh 163 slavers that danny crucified angrily like later on in i wonder if they're actually gonna let her do that one of the most, like, it's, she, like, gets kind of, she's, like, kind of, like, having nightmares about it. It's one of the most disturbing things she does as a conqueror is, like, she decides she's justice and she's going to really kill and torture people mm-hmm. simply for being in the oppressor class, right? I mean, I don't see any problem with that, like. You <laughs> <laughs> people, 163 of them. I mean, if I could go back in time and do that <laughs> on behalf of my ancestors. Yeah. Yeah. I probably would. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> but it's that they aren't her ancestors. That's She's true. doing it in a kind of from the perspective of a liberator. Right. right. That's true. So that's the difference. Yeah. But yeah. maybe that's why they put the kids in there to like motivate to set that up later. Which in a way kind of do you think that kind of dulls the edges of what she did by making it more like justifiable? Just like making yes. the sense cannibals simplifies it a little for viewers to make it more justifiable that they're not yeah. letting them through the wall or hmm. probably like all these little things that make it more simplistic for the viewers and right. kind of I mean, they don't need to. I think. I, I think they are under the impression that they need to, and they really don't. It's so strange well, sometimes. Shay and Tyrion more of a romance, like, or like, not making Shay, sorry, making Tyrion and Shay's relationship fall apart now to make his murder, cold-blooded murder, for more justifiable. Like, <laughs> yeah, stuff like you know, that. Because like that. that's definitely this season, right? Uh, can we talk about um, the trailer for the next episode? Because mm-hmm. are they doing the Purple Wedding? That's I haven't I seen the trailer, but George R. R. Martin wrote the next episode, so yes, I think so. Okay. I thought it was going to be episode three, but I guess not. Oh, well. That's interesting. Okay. Okay, so I guess that's it. <laughs> the show is back. The show is back. The show is back. It's game on, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> we are here to do war. Yes. We might as well put on our armor and like oh. pick up our swords. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can catch us every week this season on fatpinkcast.tumblr.com and also fatpinkcast on iTunes. Feel free to follow us, review us, et cetera, et cetera. Let's sail this together. (laughs) I'm going to leave you with the preview for the next episode. And, yeah. Awesome. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Proud Lannister children, the cripple, the dwarf, and the mother of madness. Have you ever known your father to make an idle threat? I know where we have to go. There's only one hell, the one we live in now. We have a new queen. I said, Neil!